You're listening to the All Sport Breakfast Podcast with Darcy Waltergrave from Newstalk ZB. All Sport Breakfast, All Star Panel. Oh, and have we got some stars for you on the panel this morning at 8.32. We go to Phil Good as Gold. Gifford, Phil, how are you? <laughs> yeah, good day, Darcy. Good as gold, Darcy. Thank good you very gold. much. Thank you very much. I got to seat you up and you slammed it back at me. And now we're joined by Nathan the Eliminator Lim. That's terrible. I got to come up with a better name for you. G'day, Nate Dog. How are you? G'day, Darcy. I'm well, thank you. Yeah, Eliminator's okay. I think we can do better. The, okay, any suggestions? 9292ZBZB. The Lim Report. Okay, well, we'll work something out. Phil, you can work on this in the next half an hour as well. Right, let's get things going. We'll talk about Black Caps v South Africa. Nathan Lim, you can kick things off. We got result. I want to say we, the Black Caps, got the result. Personally, I think... A lot has been made about the strength of the South African team, but it's not their fault. It was their, the people who run the show, and again, the ICC. But let's look to the important thing here. Who else scored three tonnes in two tests? No one else did. <laughs> Williamson's a genius, and they still managed to dispatch them within four days comfortably regardless. Right, Nathan? Tell me I'm lying. No, no, you're absolutely on the money, Darcy. I don't want to hear any more talk about the Fab Four. There's Kane Williamson, and then there's the chasing pack. If Kane Williamson, if Kane Williamson got to play as many Test matches as Joe Root, he would be so far ahead they wouldn't even be in the same league. Joe Root has 30 Test centuries in 251 innings. Kane Williamson has 32 and 172 innings. He's played 20 less innings than Steve Smith level on centuries. He's played 20 less innings than Barat Kohli level. Uh, sorry, three ahead on centuries. If Kane Williamson got to play, yeah, the number of test matches that Joe Root, that Steve Smith gets to play, then he'd, he'd just be so far ahead. And in regards to, you know, you could say, oh, um, but it was a South Africa B team or it was a South Africa C team. That's not in Williamson's control. All he can do is go out there and bat. And he went out there and scored three tons in four innings. It's unbelievable. And we need to be pumping this guy up as much as we can because he won't pump himself up. Now, Phil, you got to agree with that, don't you? I didn't see anyone else out there scoring three tons in four innings, did you? No, look, Kane Williamson, I just basically almost worship the guy. And I'm not a huge cricket freak, but I've got to say, there are so many things to admire about the guy. Number one, Obviously, he's got fantastic technique. Number two, he has the most extraordinary temperament. I mean, he goes out there, when, and there was a little bit of pressure on there for a while yesterday, but it was as if he's playing almost in a, in a, in a different universe, really. And the other thing I've got to say, and my apologies, because by and large, I don't like old guys that say, oh, back in the day, they didn't do this, they didn't do that. In fact, I hate that, but I will say this. <laughs> so you, no, don't tell old, me you're going to say back in the day Please Phil, don't no, say back in the day I promise I'm not going to say back in the day oh, But yeah. as an old guy there is, there is something about Kane That particularly warms my heart And in fact I think even if you're a young person Man or woman, you, you should warm your heart as well Is that Kane is old school As far as if there's one aspect Of sport that I'm not crazily keen on And you see it particularly I think In British football um, When a guy scores a goal they don't run back to their teammates, the guy that's put the, you know, sent the crossover for them to head it into the net. They run towards the cameras and the crowd most of the time. The thing I absolutely love about Kane Williamson, he has a sensational innings, as we see, scores his third century in four innings, and then sort of waves his bat at the crowd very briefly, almost in an embarrassed sort of way, you know. And there, there is something about that modesty 
that is so atypically Kiwi that I, I just think he's one of our all-time great sports stars in any sport. David Warner, he isn't. Nathan Lim, does this count as an historic victory in your mind? By words it is, because it's the first time in 92 years. Can you take anything away from that due to the nature of the opposition? Yes, I think we have to. I think people um, from around the world are always going to look at it with an asterisk, and that's just sort of the nature of it. But um, look, this test series, it's not like it was a complete walk in the park. I know Kane makes it look easy, but those four days of cricket that we just had the pleasure of watching, at no point did that feel comfortable. And I think the South Africans should go back home feeling extremely proud of what they produced in New Zealand condition. It's hard to come here and win. And they came here and put up a really good fight. And they had us as Black Caps fans sweating at numerous times throughout that second test. Um, I, I think that South Africans performed extremely well. And, and I think New Zealand, therefore, should also be proud of the fact that we were able to get this 2-0 test series done, take the World Championship points with top of the ladder, and move on to the next. Nathan, the limpet limb, and feel good as gold Gifford oh, joining no. us on the, on the All-Star <laughs> panel. Uh, before we move into our next subject, Phil, uh, Dylan Cleaver... Uh, a sports writer of a huge amount of time for, great respect for. He's written this one sentence, which is gorgeous, about Kane Williamson. He's a walking, quiet, talking paradox, a beautifully normal, complete freak. I mean, yeah. could you yeah, any better? <laughs> That's, of course, from the Bounce Great website. Dad is right. Let's move on to our next topic for the All-Star panel, the Warriors. They look like they're going to sell out a pre-season match. In Christchurch, Phil, are you that starved of sport that a preseason game with only half the stars, you'll sell a place out? What is? I think it's fantastic. I mean, 14,000 tickets sold. That that ground only holds, mind you, I must say, just in passing, bring on the new stadium in Christchurch because that is the most crap rugby or rugby league ground in New Zealand. But we'll move on quickly. But it, it has a capacity of only 17,000. It is extraordinary to me, but it just shows how much the Warriors have grabbed the hearts and minds of New Zealand, including Christchurch. And just quickly, there's a, there's a little odd sort of uh, little tweak and a little bit of ha-ha in this, in that that ground, of course, used to be the rugby league ground when it was the showground. <laughs> yes. And they basically just seized it after the earthquake. They just seized it off rugby league. It said, tough luck, sucker, this is a rugby ground now. And they played the Crusaders and the Canterbury games there. And if you were a rugby league fan in Christchurch, and there are patently rugby league fans in Christchurch as well as rugby union fans, you'd be thinking, yeah, well, guess what? It's a rugby league ground as well, and we're going to sell it out, and it's only a pre-season match, so suck on that. <laughs> Indeed, nice choice of words there. And uh, are you at, when is the stadium being built? You and your mates down there with a hammer and a couple of 4 by 2s are you? Is it getting close, Phil? What's it looking like? Well, Darcy, remember, I've been living in Auckland for six months. So I, as far as I know, I, look, the suggestion is that, that, that it is progressing on time, which I think in 2026, if memory serves me right, is it's, it's due to be completed. It can't come soon enough for Christchurch. And like a, like a lot of things... I won't even mention the inter-island ferry boats, but oh. like a lot of things, like a lot of things in this country, 
we don't seem to have a great sense of urgency sometimes with building things, sadly. But anyway, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully when, when it's built, it'll be worth the wait. No, mate, you are everywhere, Phil Gifford. That's why I thought you were in Christchurch, as well as in Dunedin. Your love spreads all up and down the motu. <laughs> Nathan Lamb, what do you make of the Warriors with all those ticket sales? Yeah, the hype around this team is unlike anything I think we've ever seen in Warriors history because what we're getting now is the second year under Andrew Webster where his systems are already proven. So the players are all going into this knowing that what he does works. So I'm really, really excited, um, obviously, to see uh, Roger Tuivasa-Shek back in the centres, uh, Chanel Harris-Tavita back in Warriors jumper. Uh, in terms of the hype, it's also worth noting that their their new jersey, their sort of throwback jersey, sold out in eight minutes as well. So this, the fact that they've got fourteen thousand tickets sold to a preseason game, doesn't even really surprise me. Um, this is going to be a, a massive season, but different in the way that everyone is expecting them to win, whereas last year they didn't have that. No, they didn't. And I was talking to Cameron George, CEO of the One New Zealand Warriors last night. He hasn't even got a jersey. He didn't even make the cut. I mean, how sad's that they sold that fast? We've got more tales of a week in sport coming up next on the All-Star Panel with Phil Gifford and Nathan Lim, including the interesting tale around the Silver Ferns head coach job, which I think quite rightly is to be advertised. What our guests think, well, we'll find out coming up next here on News Talk ZB. It's 18 away from 9. Eight forty-four on the All Star panel. Uh, Phil Good as Gold Gifford joining us along with. And this is not my one, Nathan. This is producer Andy Duff. It's Nathan Olympic Lim. Is that any good or not? It's really dry. Let's just move on. Uh, Phil, <laughs> <laughs> there was some pretty deep silence there, wasn't it, from Nathan yeah. and from me? To be honest, sorry, Andy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry I laid it on you too, Andy. I should have claimed it as my own. I could have felt that embarrassment with anything else. Hey, Nathan, the, this whole uh, Dame Nolene Torua situation, I applaud it. I think they've done the only sensible thing in Netball New Zealand, but I don't know if I'm an island here. What do you make of what they've done and how they've handled this appointment? Yeah, it's a bizarre one, eh? You don't normally get a coach coming out and encouraging uh, uh, rival coaches to apply for her role. I think it, it's a massive, it's a testament to, to Dame Nolene Todor and sort of her character that she is willing to put herself on the line. I've had, I've had so many conversations with her over the last sort of year in the lead up to and after the, uh, the World Cup. And she is so focused on high performance and achieving the best uh, that she just will go to any measure to try and improve herself. So it, it doesn't necessarily surprise me that she has gone along with this because she has so much. She reveres sort of the Silver Ferns dress so much. Um, on the other hand, I don't know. I don't, I don't think that there is anyone better out there to coach the Silver Ferns. The Silver Ferns have not. They've had a shocking run of results. You know, the Nations Cup failing to make the final, worst result in the World Cup, losing to an understrength England on home soil. But I do think that that is more down to the inexperience in the player base rather than Knowles' coaching. Um, I don't... Re- Nipple New Zealand have uh, 
going to take a financial hit after this year because Sky has lowballed the the broadcast deal that they're offering Netball New Zealand to show the ANZ Premiership and the Silver Ferns games. Netball New Zealand's entire model is fond, funded by their broadcast deal. So if they go through this whole process over three months of recruiting and looking at all the coaches and then they just sign Nolene again at the end of it, then that's just a complete waste of time and money. So I don't actually like Noel's chances of getting the job back. Mm, I don't know if it's a waste of time and money. I think it's necessary diligence for the, the strength of New Zealand netball. And Phil, what I love about Dame Nolene is her... She's a forthright woman, and she'll tell you exactly what she thinks. There, there's no grey area there. There's <laughs> This woman is right up front with it, and I think she'll take this, and I've mentioned this before, like Graham Henry took this when he was forced to reapply for his All Blacks job, and he really recalibrated, came up with a new idea. He wanted more. He wanted to challenge himself, and Graham Henry 2.0 ended up doing something quite successful back in New Zealand. So I don't see this as being an entirely bad thing at all. No, no, neither do I. And I mean, I think it's very typical of Dame Nolan because I think she is not patently, she she is a great coach. Forget the results in the last 12 months, which haven't been flashing. I'll, I'll very quickly get to that in a second and why I think that, that's happened. And I'm basically, I'm on the same page as Nathan about this. But she's not only a great coach, she's a great person and she has integrity for Africa. And that's the thing that, that I think that, that that's what's driven this. And so... I think it, it, it almost had to happen for the sake of appearances, for the sake of confidence in the way the netball's run. And I, I, again, I take the point it's going to be expensive. It's money that they don't really have, but I do think it has to be done. Just very quickly, I, my feeling is very strongly that exactly as Nathan says, the problem is that we've got so many basically kids in the team that are not very experienced at the highest levels. And one of the biggest things, I think, is the fact that we've lost that trans-Tasman competition. And with that, with that gone, uh, if I was New Zealand netball, I would be begging on my hands and knees with Australia to find out some way that we could get a bit more competition with those battle-hardened Aussie teams because I think that's what's particularly needed. And then by the time players get into Dame Nolan's hands in the Silver Ferns, they have some of that hardness and some of that backbone that playing against those, uh, well, no, Norma Plummer called our players scrubbers, didn't she? <laughs> no, no, not the other way around. But they're, they're hard bitten, those Aussie netballers, and they're the people that, that, that we really need to be competing against, not just at international level. Yeah, Dame Nolene uh, joined the program Sports Talk a couple of days ago. You can find it at newstalkzb.co.nz. Take a listen. She addressed all of this. Uh, it was so wonderful to talk to her, and one of the things we discussed was, uh, is indeed the ANZ Premiership fit for purpose and uh, her answers and her dialogue around these questions very interesting well worth a listen if you didn't hear it already let's wind things up now with uh, one last subject the Melbourne Rebels I joked before that they should be called the Melbourne Canaries because they are basically a canary in the rugby coal mine aren't they and they're starting to die the other teams Phil should be looking at them going um is there anything to see here because I think there is yeah, absolutely, mate. And just quickly, look, in, in, in a perfect world, there would be three Aussie teams, one in Sydney, one in Canberra, one in Brisbane. And because the fact is, whether the Australians can cop it or not, they don't have the depth of talent because rugby union is not a massive sport throughout the whole nation. And so uh, 
the Rebels, exactly. They are that canary in the coal mine, a reminder that, to be blunt, uh, Australia, as far as Super Rugby goes, doesn't have enough talent for five teams. I don't believe they've got enough talent for four teams. That's fair. Nathan? Uh, if the Melbourne Rebels have these financial difficulties, then the other clubs do as well. The, Mel- the Melbourne Rebels might have it worse right now, and they might be the first to go. But th- I-, I don't believe that this is a problem that's going to be isolated to Melbourne. So Rugby Australia, I think, needs to cut their losses. I think the Rebels will go after this year. I can't. Did you call them the Rebels? You did, didn't you? You called them the Melbourne Rebels. (laughs) (laughs) Fair call. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I can't see them lasting past 2024. Um, I think they need to cut their losses, invest a bit more, see if they can get the four teams going. I'm with you guys. I don't think that they can. Uh, sufficiently get four competitive teams um, uh, going against the New Zealand teams, but it remains to be seen. But, I mean, the Melbourne Storm can't even get much of a look in in Melbourne because it's such an AFL-dominated city. So I I dread to think where the Rebels are at in their pecking order in that city. And both of you, just very, very quickly, Nathan, Lim, uh, uh, Moana Pacifica, the next team on the block. I hope so. I really hope so. You know, they've, they've, they've got a wee bit of talent. Uh, I was really disappointed when Levi Almour left them uh, last season for the Crusaders, but I, I think they are looking good. I'm looking forward to, to watching them throughout this season. I think we're going to see them upset a few of the other New Zealand teams. Yeah, but are they next on the block? Are they going to last or not? Oh, next on the block in that way. Yeah. I hope, I hope not. I hope not. I, I really don't. Say, I wonder why you said I hope they are. I thought, gee, that's pretty negative in the morning. <laughs> I mean, you heard the say, I could hear the gas from Phil Gifford there too. But wait, let's face it, Phil, Melbourne Rebels up against Moana Pacifica at North Harbour Stadium. Now, there's a barn burner happening later in the year. Are they going to last, Phil? <laughs> I hope it's the Western Force that goes because I really want that Pacifica team to, to flourish. But that's very much... I've got fingers and toes crossed over that one, Darth. And you've got long toes like a hobbit. I'm glad you can cross them. Phil Gifford, (laughs) thank you very much for your time. It is always a pleasure. Nathan, we'll get a name for you eventually, mate. Thanks for joining the program. It is seven and a half minutes to nine. For more from the All Sport Breakfast with Darcy Watergrave, listen live to Newstalk ZB on Saturday mornings or follow the podcast on iHeartRadio.